0: So let me start with a prayer. Lord, I pray that this morning you would open the eyes of our hearts to understand what you have to say. Amen. So today we are going to head out on a walk together, which is very apt because it is so cold, <laughs> the building. Okay, so uh, trainers on, please, or walking boots, uh, laces done up. We could call it a prophetic Promenade through the Psalms. We could call it a saunter through the Psalter or Cleopasus Camino. So best foot forwards or backwards because we are walking backwards from Emmaus. Uh, Just as Sue said, uh, it's um, Emmaus Rewind, it's uh, seven miles and three hours from Jerusalem and uh, apparently walking backwards is very good for you. So, this painting is by Caravaggio and it shows perhaps the moment before the Eureka! We are with the Christ moment, Uh, painted around 1606. Uh, Caravaggio was Italian, he was impulsive, he was angry. Why was he painting this picture? Interestingly, he was around the age of 30 when he painted it the same age that Christ was when he began his ministry. So in this series, we are imagining what was spoken about at this table and also what was spoken about on the journey to Emmaus, this seven-mile walk. And last week, we heard from Simon about the significance of the Passover lamb, And the reason that we're looking this week at this cascade of psalms is because they show us how critical it was for Jesus to be forsaken. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was forsaken. So forsaken is a funny word, isn't it? We might translate it as total abandonment deserted, forlorn. The Cambridge Dictionary says it's to leave someone forever, and it brings with it the sense that actually when you most need someone, they are not there. So the Psalms that James read this morning have this heavy sense of desolation, this heavy sigh, this heart cry for help, and yet it's a cry to God. It's curious, isn't it, that like Thomas, who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, in these moments of, of critical, feeling terribly alone in our darkest hour, we do cry to God. So we're going to take the Psalms one by one on our walk. We'll go as quick as we can. Um, but just as Jesus did say, and as Sue alluded to, um, Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory, says Jesus to Cleopas and his friends, and then he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself? That's what we're going to do this morning, attempt to. Okay, laces done up, stamp your feet if you get too cold, wander around, I'm not going to worry. Let's go. Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? God is present, yet he does nothing. He doesn't leave. He is there watching his son die. Why does God abandon us? Why does he stand by? Why does he watch? Why does he do nothing? For Jesus, this is destiny. It's more a cry of pain, a cry of protest, rather than an actual question, possibly. God didn't make the world a place where he would stop people from doing wrong and from hurting one another, which is so evident in our world at the minute. Sometimes God intervenes. Sometimes he doesn't. But he is with us Jesus takes up this question this cry and gives us permission to do the same to shout the question my God my God why have you forsaken me all the time though we know that God is listening he's there at the cross God was listening and watching and suffering Eloi, Eloi, Lamak Sawatani, Jesus Christ. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting the Psalms, fulfilling scripture, feeling totally separated, abandoned by the Father. So we're going to take a turn on our journey, look at the next Psalm. Turning left, or right, whichever way you want to turn. Psalm 31: "Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors, an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. In this psalm, just a few verses before, we hear the phrase, "Into your hand I commit a sign, delegate my spirit." then you have redeemed me. These words again are on Jesus' lips on the cross. This psalm talks about a flood and God's people needing to climb higher to a safer ledge. God's people are crying out to be rescued. You've rescued us in the past. We know that you can do this again. This verse talks about being forsaken, yet it is surrounded by God's rescue plan. We can almost hear Jesus talking on the road to Emmaus or or during the meal saying, remember the rest of the psalm. Do not be overwhelmed. Evil does not have the final say. Out of the depths of pain and sorrow, the believer's heart says, I trust in you. You are my God. Famously, this psalm was quoted by Pope John Paul II at a service at a World Holocaust Memorial Center Evil will not have the last say. Let's turn again on our giant journey. Psalm 34 He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Here we can see the link to what Simon was talking about last week and how Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. The reference to no bones being broken, it was a prerequisite of the Paschal Lamb, of the Lamb's sacrifice for the Passover. On the cross, none of Jesus' bones were broken. John writes, these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. In our mind's eye, we can see Jesus taking the disciples through these scriptures, through these psalms, one by one, and explaining how he fulfills the role of the forsaken one. Psalm 38, those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin all day long. They scheme and they lie. So this throws forward to what happened to Jesus. And also, this whole psalm talks about sin, how we get things wrong before God, how we are not able to live up to his standards. And there is this price to pay to get back to God. And it is Jesus who paid that price. I mean, can you imagine hearing that for the first time, for the penny to drop, that Jesus had to die in order for the price to be paid for the way to be cleared back to God. I mean, this would have been seismic. You you know, we want another earthquake, don't we, at that point. Cleopas and the other disciple had seen their Messiah, inspirational leader and friend, killed like a criminal. Was he really the Messiah? And to make things worse, the body had gone. Their hopes had been dashed, and they're talking to a random stranger who is revealing truth after truth after truth. No wonder their hearts were burning within them. Psalm 41 Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread has turned against me. This is forsaken with a capital F. Imagine Cleopas and his friend gasping as they realized that is what happened in the Last Supper, the betrayal by Judas Iscariot. That's what Jesus whispered to John at the meal. It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Well, I wonder if they were at the meal table at Emmaus at that point. Did Jesus dip bread into something and pass it to them? then psalm 69 they put gall in my food gave me vinegar for my thirst this is what happened when jesus was on the cross and he was offered wine vinegar on a sponge we read uh, in the gospels the soldiers came up and mocked him they offered him wine vinegar and said if you are the king of the jews save yourself And this psalm is also the one where it gives us permission to vent our anger before God. There's a lot of it in Psalm 69. And yet again, with these psalms, the lament turns to praise. I will praise God's name with a song. I will magnify it with thanksgiving. We often talk about a sacrifice of praise. This psalm's quoted a great deal in the New Testament in John, also in Acts 2, Romans 11. You know, I imagine that Cleopas went back to John and went, oh my gosh, listen up, this is one for the manuscript. Uh, For the last two psalms, we're getting through them, Um, stamp your feet if you need. Um, There is a new theme with these last two psalms as we begin to see Clearly, how the forsaken one has a role to play. Psalm 110 The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for my feet. Tiny bit of Old Testament history. This psalm is written by David and it tells us about the king priest. It's quoted by Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew 22 in a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees, and they're discussing whose son is the Christ. It's then quoted by Peter and Paul in his letter to the Hebrews. Before Jesus, it was considered one of the most messianic psalms. It's very interesting because back in the day, a king couldn't be a priest. That was just how it was. So the king couldn't prophesy. That was the priest's job. But here he did. King David is prophesying in this psalm about Jesus. And as we know, David was an extraordinary king. He was also like Abraham and Moses, a forerunner for Christ, one who points to Christ. Okay, can can you begin to see a golden thread, a thread that runs right the way through the Bible, as the storybook Bible puts it, from the Old Testament right the way through this rescue plan to salvation. Just remember, it's a thread of hope. Evil will not win. Okay, we're nearly there. Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. Here again, Jesus quotes directly from this psalm. Matthew and Mark write about the parable of the tenants in the vineyard who take over the vineyard and kill every servant on the master's behalf until they kill the owner's son. Servants representing the Old Testament prophets and the Son representing the Christ. So the forsaken has this role to play. While he was with the disciples, he pointed to the truth of who he was. And now, on the road to Emmaus, the penny is dropping big time. Can you imagine the conversation over supper? Oh my gosh, it is you. And then he's gone. So, gone, but leaving a deep, deep sense that Jesus accompanies us on our journey, wherever we're walking to, whatever journey we are on, turning right or left, feeling forsaken, abandoned, desperately alone, just when we need that help. There is the promise that God has gone before. He knows what we feel. He is watching. He is listening God is with us. As Sue will say, like, please come and pray with one of us today. That is, if that is what you need. Very quickly, drawing everything together. Where does this leave us? One more Psalm 119 Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So the, the Psalms were a critical part of worship in the Old Testament. They still are today, and the Church of England weaves the psalms into our daily worship. They're the backbone of what we believe. They're the backbone of the scriptures. I often imagine a, a book. You know, think of the spine of the book. And this is what the sort of psalms do for me in my mind's eye when I think of worship. They point to Christ. Not just Christ, but how he had to die and how he had to rise again to open the gateway to heaven. So this incredible threshold that we can cross, paying the price for all we get wrong with his death. It's like going from black and white into technicolor. Do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Or that game that your children might play, the identikit game, you know, who's who, where you Guess the people. Or a jigsaw puzzle. Um, darkness and rain is piece one. Then Jesus, the light of the world, piece two. Then the rainbow of promise and hope, pieces three and four. Confession here, I really like Lent. <laughs> it's, um, I don't really like Good Friday, but there's something about the simplicity of it where everything's a little bit more stripped away, no flowers. Uh, It's a time to walk instead of a time to run. Live a little bit more simply, just to think again about the importance of a meal, the meal that was shared at Emmaus. So a little bit of homework this week. Just take a walk. You can walk backwards if you want, but we would rather continue to preach on this series rather than on healing. So do it carefully. Um, But just walk and enter into that conversation with Jesus. Ask him to show you something as you walk and think about the impact of the disciples walking with Jesus. He is alive, he is with us today, he will walk alongside us this week and beyond. Amen.